Georgiatis. Welcome to my show, America Can We Talk. Today, we're going to talk about Trump and the Arizona rally. Dr. Douglas Frank joins me in studio and the 5 million challenge. And of course, I'll tell you why these stories matter to you. Stay tuned. Debbie Georgiatis, host of America Can We Talk, is an author, attorney, and political analyst whose mission is to inspire the American political conversation about preserving liberty in the best country on earth. Hello again and welcome to America Can We Talk and to today's First Five. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. I'm going to guess all of you listening to the show know that there was a big Trump rally in Arizona. Very well attended. Again, people in line 24 hours ahead of time. Some standing outside during a storm, a packed stadium, to hear President Trump speak. And he did focus, as you likely know, on very openly calling for more audits and essentially, again, attacking the 2020 election cycle. Today, we're going to be talking about the 2020 election we've had in the past on our show. In fact, just last week, we had Seth Keschel join us who's kind of newly emerged uh, as a national figure on the subject of election integrity. He's very active on Telegram, which is that relatively new social media platform. I encourage everyone to join. But on Telegram, Seth Keschel has been laying out numbers, essentially arguing that just looking at voter registration data, a practice he has done for a long time, if you look at voter registration data and then project voter turnout, he has been able to predict the accurate outcome of elections. In fact, he was one of the few people who accurately predicted in 2016 that President Trump was going to win. He was on the show essentially saying that data do not make sense. I was to summarize what he was saying, the data from 2020 election cycle do not make sense. Meaning essentially, if you look at the election data that is um, was reported on 20, in 2020, it does not jive with what would have been the logical prediction uh, for the, uh, based on the, the voter registration information ranging between 26 and 2020. So he's one aspect of it. We've talked on the show about, we had on the show, uh, talking with us at great length, Russ Ramson laying out the argument of proof of electronic manipulation of voter tabulation software. He has had his kind of cybersecurity gurus diving in and talking about there is proof of massive electronic election fraud. We talked about all the practical evidence about election fraud, including the very basic kind of common sense, look at Trump rallies, you know, look at Biden can't get 10 people to come to his house for a Christmas party. I mean, no one wants to hear what he has to say about anything. And so you have the obvious, everyone can see this kind of data that are helping, that caused more, most people to have a kind of common sense reaction. Of course, Trump won. Of course he did. And then we had the 19 bellwether counties, uh, 18 of 19 went overwhelmingly for Trump. These are numbers that just don't, don't lie. So all of that, what we're going to get to in just a moment, uh, we have, as I mentioned at the beginning, Dr. Douglas Frank joining us in the next segment, and he's going to talk about a whole other way uh, and is truly remarkable way for, uh, for him to lay out the idea that it is very provable, in fact, irrefutable, that the 2020 election was stolen, that it was not the outcome that was reported. But back to the Arizona rally and the purpose of this first five. President Trump continues 
to raise the question, you know, to hit the, over and over hammers a point that there was election fraud in 2020. And many people, I'll tell you, the pundit class, the people who are political consultant class, because I know a lot of these people, have been telling candidates and elected officials, stay away. You know, the election's over. We're looking like a sour grapes. This is childish. Look forward to 2022. Get geared up for 2022. Get your arguments ready. Get your door knockers ready. You know, get out there. Don't be looking like a sore loser. This is what the, the uh, truly some of the highest level of the political consultants in this country and the pundits have been saying. And you hear this reflected in the voices and the efforts of the, of the legislatures around this country. They'll say they're moving forward with election integrity laws, where, which have basically, they're milquetoast and don't do much. Virtually none of them actually attack the most important basis for, um, for election fraud, which is electronic fraud, the manipulation of data in the voting machines, because they've been told not to. The Republican-dominated legislatures have been told not to. Don't do that. It makes us look bad. We look childish. We look like sore losers. But I want to just draw a couple quick lessons from the Arizona rally in wrapping up this first five. What President Trump did at that rally, beside the speech he gave, was he told the people, he told his supporters in Arizona, we're not giving up on this. This was a stolen election, and it is incumbent on the American people to stand up, to insist on audits, to insist on other steps, to get to the truth, to expose the truth. And this, I'm sure, if President Trump had consulted with among the top Republican consultants in this country, they'd tell him, drop it, move along, don't do this. But he won't do it because he knows in his gut what is true. He knows what happened. Another interesting thing happened in Arizona. So there's a woman who is a current um, state uh, GOP lawmaker. I mean, she's in the Arizona legislature, State Senator Michelle. Um, and I believe her last name is pronounced Ugenti Rita. Ugenti Rita. But she's a current state senator, and she's running for secretary of state in Arizona, which is the position that has great control over elections in Arizona. She's running... She is a Republican. She got on the stage at this Arizona rally. In fact, the rally was called Protect Our Elections. And she literally got booed off the stage. She had to get off without finishing her remarks. If you listen to this show very often, you know I don't like that. I think that I believe in the First Amendment and freedom of speech. And people should not be booing people they don't agree with. You let them say their thing and then put up the other side. But there's something really heartening about this. It is because the people sitting in that Arizona amphitheater listening to President Trump knew perfectly well that this state senator, who now would like to be Secretary of State, was among those blocking election, meaningful election integrity legislation. These people are saying to her, not buying it. You don't get to be Secretary of State if you are not on board with the election integrity changes that need to happen. It was a huge message. Not just to her, but actually, I would argue, to the entire GOP, the entire Republican class. Because I think the winds are changing. I think slowly the burden is shifting. For a long time, there's been the argument that adult people who are part of campaigns, who are involved politically, we don't question past elections. We don't do things that are unseemly. These are immature. These are sore loser kind of things. But I actually think the tide is turning. I think that more and more Americans are recognizing the 2020 election was stolen. And if we don't stand up now, expose what occurred, and correct it, we don't really have elections anymore. We just have pretend elections. 
where candidates run around and give speeches and make bullet points and mail out flyers and all these dutiful volunteers knock on doors, vote for my guy, vote for my gal, and none of it matters. None of it matters. And this is what is dawning now on more and more Americans that the entire election process is at stake and not just because of what occurred in 2020. What is being exposed, you'll hear in just a moment a little more about that from our guest today, Dr. Douglas Frank, is the idea that the entire election process has been suspect in our country for, I don't know, I'm not going to say how many years, but some period of time. And I really want to, and actually even in Arizona, the, uh, there's an alleged Republican governor, Ducey, um, I think is how you say his name, anyway, he is unwilling to soil his hands, unwilling to, you know, be part of this whole process of, um, you know, possibly looking like he might believe these election integrity arguments. He's trying to do the, I'm above it all, I'm the ruling class, I don't get my hands dirty. This is a mistake. And that's, I think, one of the lessons that Republicans should take from not just the Arizona rally, but more rallies President Trump is going to do is because if you want to stay on good with the base, you want to stay solid with the Republican voting base, you better be hands on, absolutely cheering on the digging out of the truth, the pursuing of election integrity, both as of 2020 and what really occurred then and who really won. But more than that, digging in to understand what processes people are actually controlling our elections do we have a handle on America's elections going forward? And if we don't, it is time to fix it. And that, my very fine friends, is today's first five. I mentioned the start of the show. We have a guest joining us. Okay, I was going to give you my caveat about this guest, okay? So you, I think I said this last week when Seth Keschel was here. He gets, he's interviewed by some people who are really, really great with math, and they run through all these mathematical terms. And I will tell you, as one of the interviewers said, um, Professor Clement said to Seth Keschel, those who cannot do math go to law school. Okay, right here. I am not good with math. I am a smart person, and I'm really logical and intuitive. I may not know all the mathematical terms you're about to hear, but I do know that truth matters. I do know that it matters to have intelligent people who do understand the complex and hidden ways in which our election of 2020 was interfered with need to be ones speaking up and we need to listen. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce you to our interview today with Dr. Douglas Frank. Hello, sir. Good to be with you, Debbie. By the way, logic is mathematics, so you are good at math. Okay. Well, <laughs> you know the game? Uh, no, can't get started on that. We're going to focus on the... <laughs> Um, we're going to focus on our interview today. So I just want to have, because you're visiting Texas, you're an Ohio resident. Yeah. And just brief summary, tell our listeners about your kind of your educational background and what you do now. Because I want to be sure they understand before we launch into all this detail, your ability mathematically and kind of logically to look at election data. I'm a PhD scientist. I've been doing that aggressively for about 40 years. I have 60 scientific publications, peer-reviewed. I'm a real physicist, real chemist. I do all that kind of stuff for real, and almost everything that I do has some common element to it, and that's that I like taking large data sets and, and analyzing them. And so, for example, when I built custom electron microscopes, you're measuring millions of data points coming off of a surface, and then you have to do all kinds of fancy mathematics to, con to do things with that. Or, and that's why it's natural for me to look at vast amounts of, say, election data, and then analyze it. Okay, so you actually manufacture electron microscopes. Yeah, built several, custom. Yeah. Okay, that, that is a good thing. You also <laughs> mentioned earlier, we were talking before the show came on today, about your teaching. Just, just tell a little bit about who you teach and, and what you teach. 
Well, um, when I left academics in 96, I felt a hole in my life because uh, I love to teach. So I, I uh, helped to start a special school in Cincinnati for gifted children. It's a K-12 school for students who are exceptionally bright, super high IQ kids. And I've been doing that 25 years, uh, teaching their most advanced math and science classes. It's really been a joy and it's, it's, it's good stimulation. For a person like me, I'm always inventing and trying to be creative, having a a periodic break, a deliberate break in my schedule is good for my creativity and inventiveness. So I've enjoyed that, not to mention the fact I call it recess when I get to hang with these really bright youngsters. Okay. <laughs> Teaching high level math to genius kind of kids is like recess. Yes. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm I happy for you. That's what God made me. <laughs> I, I'm happy for you. That's really great. Okay. So the game I was going to say is you're talking about logic. Okay. I swear we're getting into elections, but the game is Sudoku. You know, yeah, like I adore Sudoku. Yeah. I always do the hard ones. I sure. love those. Yes. And my husband would say, but you're not, you know, math isn't your thing, but it's logic. Absolutely. It's math just, is very and, logical. Yeah, yeah. I love that. Okay. But that's not really why we're you know, here. The most successful math book in history is Euclid's Elements. It's the math, math text for 2000 years. There you go. More than that. Okay. So logic, see, there you go. See, there you go. Okay. So I mentioned these other people I've had on the show, and we've, we've had people talking about electronic manipulation, yes. lower tabulation software. Yes. We've had yes. uh, numerous people talking about things. I'm going to try to summarize what I think you have come okay. up with, and sure. then we'll just dive into all that you have, sure. the data. Sure. And I, I asked our listeners, I think when Matt put up your um, information, he did put up your Telegram account. Okay. And I want to repeat it several times for our listeners, because this is what you could do if you're not really sure, is to just scroll through your Telegram accounts. Your mm. Telegram account is Say it again. Follow the data with Dr. Frank. <laughs> Follow the data with Dr. Frank. That's first of all, it's a great title. It's kind of, kind of, I don't know what linear or something. Anyway, uh, but you, what you've been doing is, if yeah. I understand correctly, yeah. You look at data. Yes. And this is essentially, in most cases, publicly available data. Yes. Okay. Starting with the census of 2010. Yes. The data there. Yeah. You take that data and then you fast forward 10 years because the election was in 2020. Yes. And you're looking at voter registration information. Yes. Fast forward to 2020, move 20 years later, and you've noted how precisely the data of 2010 census is paralleled yes. with, the ten, with the forwarding of 20 years. But what you've discovered is an algorithm, yep. an algorithm which is unique to each state, but within each state yeah. is precisely the same algorithm in every county. So, so far am I right? Yeah, you're doing great. And that was the first real breakthrough I had when I was exploring the data in Pennsylvania is I realized I could actually back calculate the 2010 census starting from 2020 registration numbers in a county. Okay, before we get to, tell everyone uh, in very simple, but what an algorithm is. It's just a set of steps. Think of, a, think of an algorithm like a recipe. It's, it's a set of steps you do and there are numbers mixed in. Scientists and computer guys like the word algorithm because it usually means you're combining um, equations with, with the numbers and things like that. It's just a, a fancy recipe. Okay, so I know early on when, I can't remember who, Sydney Power, somebody were talking about the idea yeah. you could instruct a machine for example, say for every two votes that Trump gets, give five to Biden. That's an algorithm. That would be an algorithm. <clears throat> exactly. Or for every three yeah. that Trump gets, take two away. Yeah. 
Yeah. It's just a, it's an instruction ahead of time applied to whatever data occurs. Exactly. And, and if there's an algorithm operating, you can detect that an algorithm is operating because you can then make predictions and the algorithm will come to bear. It will exactly as you predict. Okay. And that's, that's how, you know, that was the clue that I was onto something in there and back in December when I first started this. Okay. Yeah. You have in this one video, which by the way, for our listeners on our website, americacanwetalk.org, I don't know which camera I have here, but americacanwetalk.org, um, on the homepage under shows, drop down list of links, I link to this particular Telegram account, and I urge you to go to it and, and look at what he's laying out because the gist of what I was just saying, to go back to it, the gist of what I'm saying is that within every state, yes. you, could t you could determine an algorithm, yes. and that algorithm was applied so consistently yes. in every county yes. that you got exactly the same, and you could look at the algorithm, apply it, and that from that go back and figure out what the 2010 data must yes. have been. Yeah, and, and or or then once I know that that's the algorithm and how it's operating, I can move to a new state and start from the 2010 census and predict all the registrations in a new state, and that's that's what happened. That's what how I knew I was onto something. So, but each state has its own algorithm. Yes. Each state does. Okay. It, it's the same algorithm. It's just different parameters. So think of it like it's the same recipe, but a different amount of different amount of sugar. Okay. So one argument might be very early on. I want to play your yeah. uh, cube yes. thing in a moment. I sent that to Matt, the wonderful producer. But the cube thing is one way to kind of answer the question someone might have. Well, okay. So all you're really saying is you're finding similar patterns within states, and yeah. everybody knows. Yeah. States vary, you know, we have sure. California's liberal, Texas is sure. conservative, so, you know, maybe you're not proving much of anything. Right. Because, okay, they're all, so isn't your algorithm, all you really mean is that the states are showing similar. So I, I sent to Matt the Wonderful a little video that's on his Telegram account, a, a link to it, and Matt, I think this is the last one, I think I called it the dice roll. Do, do we have that ready? No. Okay. I can describe it if you want. Okay, well, I'll just tell very quickly sure. um, that... Oh, yeah, you go ahead. Why, why would I try? <laughs> that's okay. That's why, that's why I'm here. Thanks for having me, by the way. I'm enjoying Texas. Imagine if you have a 20-sided die and you roll it 83 times and you write down the number every time that you get. A 20-sided okay. dice. So 20. 1 through 20 are yes. all numbers in the dice. Okay. And you roll it 83 times and you get a set of numbers. And then you go to the next county over and you roll that same dice again and you get the exact same set of 83 numbers in the same order. You wouldn't believe that die was real, would you? You know something's up. What if you can go into every county in a state and still get the same 83 numbers over and over and over again? You know that's, you know that's not natural. There's an algorithm operating. There's some kind of controlling factor there. And then you go to the next state over and suddenly it's a new set of 83 numbers, but it's the same in every county in that state. That's, that's, that's we're detecting the presence of an okay. algorithm operating. So over lunch, you're explaining something which I, <laughs> I had a lot of questions over lunch, but it was fun. Yeah, it was fun. Okay. So 20, so you have 83, um, count, I'm sorry, 20 sided algorithm roll, 80, 20 sided cube roll 83 yes, times. Exactly. And you chose 83 because that is the number of possible ages of legal voters. 18, 19, 20, 20. I was, I test, I test for the algorithm using all the ages from 18 to hundred. So that's 83 numbers. Okay, yeah. so essentially your algorithm um, um, discovery, yeah. it isn't telling what party someone voted for, what nope. candidate, nope. it's just saying voters. Yeah, and, that, and really that's the main steal of the election, is the voters themselves. It's, you know, we hear a lot of talk about the machines flipping votes and shaving votes and whatnot, and 
There is some of that. But if you think about it, that's really not the preferred way to cheat. It's too easy to count the ballots afterwards and see that they don't match the machine. So that's not a very smart way to do it. The better way to do it is to inflate the registration databases ahead of time. And that gives you a credit line. In other words, you have more voters than you need who aren't going to vote. And then you vote for them. You put ballots in the system for them. And those phantom ballots, that's, you, you have to have an algorithm to decide how many of each age to put in. And that's what the algorithm predicts. OK, I want to start. That was point number one is yeah. you're talking about the actual uh, theft being in part being initiated by the fact yeah. of more of false voter registrations. Yes. Voter registrations, people don't really exist, but right. they just create, they created, and this occurred, how broadly in America? Oh, all over the place. In fact, I, I was, I, in my talks, I frequently put up this uh, um, Judicial Watch article that was published in October. Over, there were over 300 counties in the United States where there were more people registered than there were people. And when I've shown my uh, data to multiple political experts, they're always shocked. I showed it to Board of Elections all the time, and they're like, wait a minute, we don't have that many people registered. What's happened is without people realizing it, the registration databases have been inflated. And, and most of those are from previous people who've died or people of people who moved away, they're inactive voters. They get put back in to the registration database without the Board of Elections people even knowing. Okay, so. So the Board of Election doesn't know? No. They, they use software that's provided to them by the election companies. They don't graph the data the way I do. It takes a lot of work to do, to do what I'm doing. And they, most of them don't even know how. So they just kind of use the software they're giving. So when, when I show them the graphs of their own data, their jaws drop open. They're like, whoa, that's my county? They're surprised by that. Okay. So there are voters being, the voter registration rolls themselves are being inflated, inflated yes. falsely. Yes. And, and they include, as you say, some people who've moved away and yes. they don't take them out or passed away yep. and others who are just shuffled in. Yep. Okay. You told a story, I want to remember what state it was, I think it was Michigan, uh, where you were describing the number of voters they put in ahead of time. Yes. Yeah. The Secretary of State, um, in the weeks leading up to the election, uh, November election, she, by executive order, added back in about 650,000 people to the registration rolls who had been legally removed beforehand. So in other words, they had moved away or they had died or they had become inactive for some reason. So they were removed legally from the registration rolls. Well, she added them back in and she was caught. And I think it was the GOP in that state said, hey, wait a minute, you can't just do that. You have to remove those people. But it's much harder to remove a voter after you put them in than it is to add them. There are all these legal requirements. Right. So when, they, when she went back and ran the algorithms that remove voters, they, they only out of that 650 that got added, they were only taking out about 300. So that left a net increase of 350,000 that had been legally removed before. Okay, this is Secretary of State of Michigan. Yes. And this is adding votes, what did you say, three weeks ahead before the election, Something adding like yeah. 650,000. Okay. Yes. You also mentioned in Michigan, which is one of the many troubled states, yes. the states where there's so yes. much focus on election fraud. Yeah. So she did that. The GOP caught her. But yes. the, as you're right, the rules in place are very difficult to permit any election official, any official, to remove names. Yes. Uh, you know, they always have the excuses to prevent. Of course, we don't want to have parties cheating and taking right. out the other guy's voters. Right, right. But they make it, once they're in there, they're very hard to get very rid of. Very hard to remove. They're very steep requirements. You have to meet criteria. Yep. You have to, yeah, yep. okay, criterion. Okay, so then, uh, then there's also, I believe you said, in Michigan, there was on election day, they have um, election day registration, yes. so what happened there? Well, since they have same-day registration, on the day of election, I mean, think about it. She added 650,000 because she needed them. 
Well, when she got trimmed back to 350, she didn't have enough. They were going to lose the election. So if you guys remember, on election night, about 11 o'clock, the election stopped. And during that time, 155,000 more unique voter IDs were added to the rolls. In Michigan yeah. on election night. Yes. But this should be screaming from the rooftops news, just that standing alone. Yes, it should be. Okay. And so I was, uh, at the time, um, uh, after the election, I've been in Matt De working with Matt DiPerno, the attorney there for the interim Michigan case. And he subpoenaed, because after I showed him those results, he subpoenaed the Secretary of State for a list of the names that went with those 155,000 voters. And they said, yeah, we'll get those to you, but it'll take us about two years to provide it. So, in, in other words, those are squishy numbers, and there's no way to audit them. Well, that's a generous description. Those are fraudulent numbers. Yeah. And th I mean, I, I can say that. I mean, they appear to be fraudulent because yeah. the idea of adding them at election night. Yeah. And, and back to your other point earlier. So the Georgia Secretary of State, is, I mean, P I'm sure the GOP said, what are you doing? Mm -hmm. Did she ever, ever offer an explanation about why I would have done this? Wasn't it? It's a she, right? It's yeah. she. Yeah, uh, we're, we're talking about Michigan, yes. And what was interesting, as soon as... This is happening all across the country. Secretaries of states have figured out that we've figured out how to back calculate to where the shadow voters are. You give us the registration database, we'll tell you who wasn't real. We've figured this out mathematically. So you'll notice across this, the country, many secretaries of states are just taking down their web pages where any person can request this information. And that's exactly what happened the day we requested uh, in the Secretary of State in Michigan to take uh, for those data. Boom, the public website went down, so now the public no longer has access either, which they're supposed to have because it's our job to police the elections, not officials. Most certainly it's our job, yeah. yeah. Okay, so Michigan, that was major shenanigans. Major on, shenanigans, yes. Yeah, on election day, and yeah. to have the answer come back, sure, we'll give you those new voters, those 155,000 yeah. voters uh, in two Co years. A couple of years, yeah, yeah. It's a big job, so it's going to take us time to get it to you. But that's okay. not the only one. I mean, go ahead. Yeah. Well, that, that's pretty huge because I think that... <laughs> you think? So this is all about registration right now. It's not registration. Yes. yes. That's okay. the main steal is the registration. Yeah. Is putting... And so other you looked uh, other states across the country. Where else have is, is your sense that there has been a... a uh, I mean, can you name states in particular where it was egregious, where numbers were added, not real voters added to the voter rolls? Oh, yeah. Rolls? Um, a beautiful example is Wisconsin. I just put that um, study up recently. Um, and that's up there on that Telegram channel as well. But it's a 30-minute video. I put it together in a very specific way. I, I kept it very surface. I did go down into the weeds. So that way anybody can watch it and, and understand it. Uh, keep it simple. But at near the end of that video, I describe a situation where since they have same-day voter registration, on election day in a relatively small county, 8,500 people got added to the registration rolls and voted. So that's like inserting 8,500 votes. Within four days, within four days, 5,000 of those had been re-removed from the database. Now the counties only have to report to the Secretary of State once a month. So think about it. They report the registration database on November 1. On November 3rd, they add 8,500 people. They get to put in 8,500 votes. Four days later, they take 5,000 of them back out again. December 1, you never got to know who those 5,000 people were. It never gets reported. And there's no legal capacity to do that, no legal right of the voters to 
find that out. Well, the, it, it's or, our legal right. Um, by federal law, they're supposed to keep all the election materials intact for 22 months or something like that. So, it, yes, it's our legal right to subpoena that. But if you go and talk to the counties, a lot of times they say, well, we don't keep that stuff. We, we just pass it on through the, it's all automatic. It's in the software. This is one of the reasons why we just have to move away from these blind systems. There's no, there's no paper trail. There's no way to know no what's happening. You know. There's yeah. no way to be transparent and audit it later. Yeah. Okay, so this is, I mean, you, you have in your, um, I do want to ask Matt, I've been texting with him here, you do have the uh, video, that I call it the roll of the dice thing, the dice roll. Can you just quick show us that, Matt? Do we have that? No. One second, Debbie, I just got to queue it up. Okay, he's going to, okay, he's going to queue it up. The reason I just, I, I want to, you know, the reason I want to tell you, our listeners, about all this stuff is I think that, you know, these because election integrity has become such a hot issue, so many people, elected officials, including Republicans, uh, as, as well as, as just kind of the punditry world, the class of people who advise, um, you know, advise candidates, have just have started to make it the narrative, the norm, that there's nothing really serious. Okay, everyone knows a little bit of election fraud here. Bill Barr, Attorney General Barr, said, well, there wasn't election changing, outcome changing, fraud. Well, we always have some. And people um, who are trying to push for more investigation recognize, you know, there, there's massive fraud and there's no interest in the powers that be, including the media and, and, and many in charge of elections in the various states, election officials, governors, state legislatures. None of them want this to come out there. And I will tell you in part, I'll tell you a little story actually while waiting for that video. Very important little story to tell you. So I had, uh, I mentioned, and if you watch, you know, we had Seth Keschel on last week. So after that show, I got so many text messages. Wow, was he ever smart? That was great. I finally understand um, more than I did, blah, blah. So in Texas, we, he, Seth Keschel, talked with a guy, and this is very public because the guy went public with it. He talked with a gentleman who was a former chairman of the Texas GOP named Steve Munisteri. Known Steve for years. Steve is former GOP chair. He's on some call with a bunch of I don't know, a bunch of activists or something. And he said on the call, yeah, you know, all these questions about election integrity, but I talked to Seth Keschel and he acknowledged his numbers were wrong. This is how the call was reported to me. I wasn't on the call, but it was a TAD talk. Not a TED, a TAD talk. If you're in Texas, you know what I'm talking about. Anyway, so I, um, I got a hold of Seth Keschel and said, you know, did, did you kind of back off from your numbers talking to Steve Munster? He said, no, as a matter of fact, at the end, because Steve kept saying, I think these numbers are wrong. I think this is wrong. And Seth said, I said to him, are you actually telling me you think 72,000 new voters all registered in Denton County? And it was really it was some kind of conversation. And at the end, Seth said, Seth's version, I said to Steve, well, let's just agree to disagree. And he said, okay. And his next words publicly were what I just told you, saying that Seth had acknowledged numbers were wrong. I'm telling you that story, not really to pick on Steve Munisteri, but to pick on the GOP in part. There are many people in the GOP, serious, you know, overall good people who want to do the right thing, who just want to tamp down discussion of election fraud because in their view, the party who is in charge of the state, if there turns out to have been proven election fraud, the voters will punish the party in charge. The voters will say, well, gee, you, know, you guys just run this election. Look what happened. And so there's more of an institutional protection motive on the part of some people in the GOP to protect the party, the image, than there is to get to the truth. The people in this country who want to get to the truth will be the American people pushing legislators 
both sides of the aisle, governors, election officials, to say we demand complete audits. We want to get to the truth. So now, I don't know if we have that video ready, Matt. Can't. How can you know if an algorithm is operating? Well, imagine you have a 20-sided die and you roll it 83 times. You get a series of numbers, one after another, 83 of them. Then you move to the next county over and you start rolling the die again. And you get the same series of numbers in the same order, all 83 of them. And so you go to another county and once again, you get the same series of 83 numbers. Now, even two counties should be enough to convince you that there was an algorithm operating. But what if it was every county in a state? Then you would know, this is not natural. And to top it off, when you change states, it's a new series of 83 numbers, different than the first state, but the same in every county in the new state. Now you're certain that the controlling algorithm is decided for each particular state and controlled at the county level. Okay, we're going to get to the next uh, video in a moment, but I, I wanted to play that because I do think it's the non-mathematically minded among us. It helps you see that an algorithm, you might say, well, it just happened to turn out that way, but even you, even anyone would look at the example just given, rolling a 20-sided die 83 times, again, the same uh, layout for each county. At some point, you say that that's not just... That's not random. That ain't natural, buddy. <laughs> that ain't, there you go. That ain't natural, buddy. Okay, so first, what you're talking about is the, the appearance of voter registration yes. uh, numbers in, in great. Okay, you also have, though, you're talking about a red flag is that voter turnout too perfectly mirrors vote registration. Can you describe that as a red flag? Yeah, sure. So the first, as we, you pointed out, the first algorithm that I discovered was how to inflate the registration rolls. How do you do that? How many do you do? That's the first algorithm. Second algorithm I figured out is how do you convert those registrations into ballots? There's multiple steps. You know, when you make a, when you follow a recipe, there is only one step. So it's, that's the second step. And what I noticed was that with a very simple function, it's called a sixth order polynomial, but it's a, it's a simple order, a simple equation. I just call it the key to make it easy. It's like breaking a code. If you know who's registered in a state and you use that key, you can predict to remarkable precision exactly how many votes you get of every age. It's stunning. There's a correlation coefficient, it's called. It's a number. And if it's really close to one, it means it's a really good prediction. And they're all like 0.99 something. It's it's really remarkable. Okay. So that's, that's the second algorithm. The first algorithm is how you inflate the registration database. The next one is how you determine who votes. Okay, so the Anoka County, Minnesota example, is that a good one to show? Sure, if you've got okay, it. Okay, sure. yeah, I do. Yeah, I have Anoka County, that, those things, and then we'll talk about this. If we have that. And what's your, what, okay, go ahead. Neighboring state of Minnesota. Here are the 2019 U.S. Census data for Anoka County. Once again, we have age across the bottom from 18 to 100 years and zero to 6,000 population on the vertical axis. Like in our hypothetical county, the distribution is essentially flat until age 60, where people begin to pass away more rapidly. But because these are real data, there are more details, and you can recognize the millennials and the baby boomers in the distribution. Here is who is registered to vote in Anoka County, Minnesota. As we see in many counties in the US, a large fraction of eligible voters are registered, 
in this case, almost 85%. But even more alarming is the voter turnout, where the red curve illustrates a 91% turnout. As before, we can make it easier to compare the registrations and ballots curves by multiplying the registration curve by 95%. For the sake of discussion, let's call that 95% number the registration key. That is, a single number that is used to convert the registration curve into the ballots curve. The fact that the two curves track each other so well is certainly a red flag. But we don't have to limit ourselves to just one number for our key. We could use a different proportion for every age. One for 18 years old, one for 19, and so on, all 83 numbers up to 100 years old. Together, they would define the registration key. Once we have the registration key, we can make predictions with it. Let's review. The top curve is the population from the census. The black curve is the registrations. And if we multiply that black curve by our key, we can predict what the ballots will be. And that would be the shaded blue curve. Of course, since we used Anoka County to acquire the registration key, the red curve, the distribution of ballots, fits the prediction perfectly. And so we get a correlation coefficient of 1.000. No surprise. Here's what that registration key looks like. Notice that it is a smooth function. In fact, it is a sixth-order polynomial. A sixth-order polynomial is an algebraic equation with seven coefficients. Polynomials are routinely used in physics, mathematics, forecasting, and modeling. In fact, they're used so often that Excel has a built-in feature for them. Interestingly, the highest default order in Excel is sixth-order. This suggests that America's elections may have been stolen by an Excel spreadsheet. Polynomial models are quite common in engineering. For example, one can model the flight of a golf ball or the shape of the face of a water dam. But what is most important about this particular sixth-order polynomial, this key, is that we can use it to predict the voter demographics in every other county in Minnesota all 87 of them to unnatural accuracy. For example, Dakota and Ramsey counties to R values of 1.000 and Benton and Rock to nearly perfect precision. Okay, I, I will tell you listeners, I don't really know what we just watched and I'm the one that picked that, but I want to just ask something and then you can tell me if it's accurate. You're not saying just, we cover the idea that we have grotesquely inflated false voter registration. Your point here is that the voter registration data move forward 10 years, that the outcome of votes, the number of votes that you are, that people allegedly show up and vote, so perfectly correlates with the data that is uh, for registrations that it suggests that these weren't real votes. These, this was an algorithm being used. Is that accurate? Yes. In fact, that's, and since, since I described the first algorithm was how to inflate the registration databases based upon the population, and since it's such a tight correlation between the registration and the ballots, I could just skip the registrations. It goes straight from the U.S. Census and tell you the number of ballots. And that's what I was able to do in all 88 counties in Ohio in the okay. early days. Yes. So you could take, because to, to, I want to make sure our listeners get this, because yes. I think, yeah. and, and that I get it too, for that matter. 
but you're basically saying once the algorithm is determined that yeah. you, that that says based on voter um, registration, yeah. whatever the number, that you can predict what they will claim was voter turnout yes. using algorithm without ever having to look at the voter turnout numbers. Yes, yes. You're, so you're just using algorithm, you look at data. Yes. And say, okay, and, and predict it is such a closely precise number that it can't be accurate. Can't be. It's, it's, it's like rolling the die 83 times. You know if you roll it twice in a row and it's the same both times, you know that's not natural. Okay, so the voter the votes being reported then yeah. are not reflective of the votes actually cast by voters. They are reflective of an algorithm controlling things. Think of it like the frosting Wait, on is the that, cake. Is that yes? Yeah? No. no. Okay. <laughs> so I, I'm correcting you a little bit. Please You're do. close. So think of the cake, the cakey part of a cake as the real votes. And then on top there's some frosting and you can shape the frosting however you like. So there's some real votes and some false votes that makes the final voter turn out. Okay, so the number the numbers reported from any county or any yeah, state yeah. are real voters count. I say the real votes didn't count, but right. the outcome and who won is determined by the, the added frosting. by the frosting. Yes. Okay. So the American people aren't really controlling the outcome of their elections. No, it's an illusion. So the entire election of twenty twenty is is an illusion. Is an illusion. The the outcome in every state so far, I've checked 30 states. It's everywhere. And when I, when I first started finding that, I thought, well, you know, this can't be right. How could this be everywhere like this? But then when I connected with Mike Lindell and I got to see the PCAP data, no way. It's in every state. We have the PCAP data show incursions, computer incursions, into 3,009 of our 3,145 counties. 96% of our counties have computer incursions. So once then I realized, well, of course, if, if you're if it's if every if every system in the country is being hacked and tracked well yeah now it makes sense why I'm finding it everywhere because I was in the early days trying to find a place where it wasn't following the algorithm and I couldn't find one okay every state you've checked 30, yeah, 30 so far the same yeah. as whole, patterns holding true so that yes. I, I didn't word it well and I'm, I feel free to correct anything else I say too <laughs> please um, but that what voters believed at the end of election night that you know X state went for whichever way yeah. was a cooked number by yes. the use of algorithms and so the numbers being reported are being controlled by what i mean who is inserting these algorithms well you you heard i mean all of us watching the election on election night we all were going wait a minute they're calling that state that way how do they know this how do they right. like, we were right. all like this doesn't make sense that's because they are all tied into the algorithms they knew how it was supposed to come out everybody knew how it was supposed to come out now who are the they i think you're right. asking who are the they well, people, people sometimes say, well, Dr. Frank, this can't be real because it would take this vast number of people to do this. No, it doesn't. I'm a good computer programmer. And if you put me in my basement, I can do all of Ohio just myself. You just have to have good computers and good people writing software. And you need to keep in mind that this has been decades in the making. This just didn't, they just didn't suddenly decide they were going to do voter fraud in 2020. They've been working on this since the early 2000s. And I've shown that in some of my other graphs. So what's happening is they're getting better and better at it. And they've got the algorithms and more and more access to every county across the country. It's just peaked in 2020. So is it your understanding that the people running county elections all know this is happening? Or they, none of them know? Or some of them know? I think most of our county people are clean. I think most of them... Do, because I've seen it over and over again when I show when I give talks. I've given a lot of talks in multiple states, and I show this to county people, and they're very upset. They don't even realize this has happened to them. So I think they're mostly patriots, and they just didn't understand that the technology they're using made them vulnerable. So the they behind it is someone who's able to hack to hack yes. into 
computers around the country yes. and, and insert these algorithms yes. that then dictate how the election outcome is reported. Exactly. And that's why the PCAPs are so important because the get PCAPs the will show that. No, go ahead. Okay. No, you go ahead on the PCAPs thing in plain English. <laughs> go ahead. What is that? So, Tell so, us about that. So I'm a teacher, so I'm just going to kind of set it up again. So they inflate the registration databases. They insert phantom ballots along the way. And then while they're doing that, they have to know how the election's going. Is it coming out the way they predicted? If so, they'll just stick with the, with the, with the formula. But if it isn't going the way they want, then they have to stop the election, readjust the algorithms, and then continue. Well, all of that takes lots of electronic communication, reporting, manipulation, changing databases, uh, changing the way votes are counted and things like that. So what's happened is when things communicate over the internet, it's not just like we send like A, B, C. We don't just send one letter at a time. It's not a continuous stream. Information is sent in packets. And every time a packet is sent, you can think of it like a letter. It's got a return address. It's got a to address. And the nice thing is that when you're sending things by computer, there's a route that's also recorded. So, you know, if, if I was, you're in Texas and I'm in Ohio and I send you an email, it goes to my local distributor and it goes through a satellite connection down to Texas, down to your local provider and then to your computer. Well, we can, that's all recorded in the PCAP. That's a good, a good. So that's what PCAPs are, pictures essentially of the flow of data. It's a recording of it. Yes. Recording Including of, okay. the data that's being the, the, the payload it's called. So they are the addresses and the payload. And we have 37 terabytes of recordings for, took place during the election in November to 3,009 of our counties. So in other words, that's sort of like, okay, it's, and when Mike Lindell had those data on January 9th, he was very excited about it. Then when he met me, he was very excited because he could say, oh, I've got all this evidence of computer incursions, but I don't necessarily know what they're doing when they hack in. Here comes Dr. Frank with the algorithms. Aha, once they hack in, now we know what they're doing. So that's why he, he does this thing with his fingers like this. So I'm copying him. That, it, my algorithms tell the computer, compu well, I, my algorithms yeah. tell them what to do, but they describe what they're doing once they're hacked in. Okay, so you, the hacking in that Lindell is being able to expose to the PCAPs yeah. is, is what is evidence of there having been shifting of votes. Your algorithm is kind of the, the plot they set ahead of yes, time. Yes, yes. And, and then the, and the reason I'm getting at this is because you hear people say, well, which is it? Is it Lindell? Is it Douglas Frank? Is yeah, it right. Seth Keschel? Well, Seth Keschel is just talking about the anomaly, yeah. um, the many, many anomalies that occurred sure. so that he's basically saying, look, you look at voter registration data and for a hundred years, yes. you know, when you have 15% higher Republican registration than, and then and then whatever it is, 10% drop in Democrat, yeah. that county is going to go to Republican yeah. by X percent. So he's just kind of confirming yes. that the data, the outcome of the election is does not comport with the statistical logic. I like your word confirming because I think that's what Seth's approach does. It doesn't necessarily prove, but it says, wait a minute, if there's an algorithm operating instead of a natural election, then it came out differently than we would all know it should. So it's sort of a confirmatory. And that's the nice thing. There are multiple mathematical approaches that different people have used that all converge on the same. It doesn't have to be just Seth or just me or just Draza or just somebody else. All of us converge on the same conclusions. And, that, and that's just the mathematical evidence. Then when we actually do boots on the ground and knock on doors and find the phantom voters, that's tangible physical evidence in our hands. And then at the end, we have the electronic evidence that shows, shows the recordings of it actually taking place. That's game, set, match right there. It is. It actually is a good point to, uh, time to point out that uh, Mike Lindell is doing a, um, 
a seminar or um, a summit in August yeah. in which he is going to be laying out, trying to say, look, for those of you who doubt what yeah. I'm saying, and he's, I mean, that man has put up with more ridicule and mockery, but he's laying out, it isn't for the average Joe to attend, although I'll tell you more, it's going to be live streamed. We're going to tell you about this, but it's going to be live streamed. But it's really for uh, cyber-type people, politicians yes. uh, who need to understand, and media people to just lay out what exactly he has and, and lay out his what, what he says the, these PCAPs show. Yeah, and, and you have to realize it's not like just watching a video. You know, you can't just have a bunch of people sitting around watching a video. It takes technical people to actually process the data and convert it to meaningful information. And so it's 37 terabytes. So people say, well, how come he hasn't just given it to the public? Well, it's a massive amount of data and in, in some of it, you think about it, if somebody's recording an election, that's illegal. So where did those data come from? There's all kinds of issues about chain of custody and whatnot, and he's protecting that. And so he's gonna release it in a controlled way under controlled circumstances with lots of um, antagonistic people as well as uh, people that are interested so to try in fact he's put out the five million dollar thing I heard you mention that at the beginning yeah I'm gonna mention well I, I'll say I, I, the closing segment I was just yeah. gonna mention he just said look you know if you doubt me if you can prove what's uh, that these are wrong yeah, yeah. they give you five million dollars yeah so all those people saying you're wrong you're wrong you're wrong okay great right. you know I would think some of them might want five million dollars <laughs> yeah. um, you know just prove it prove that they're not what they claim to be prove that they're not recordings of the election and $5 million reward. And there you go. Okay. Now, I'm going to get so, to have my fingers very much in those data. I'm going to get to swim in those data because I'm going to San, uh Yeah, South I was going to say you're working with Mike Lindell. I'm already doing that, yes. And, and, and going to help perhaps explain what, because these are things, as you listen to me stumble through words. You're doing great. Um, well, <laughs> ask me a labor law question. <laughs> no, anyway, but on a serious note, I think that the yes. uh, the average Joe, first of all, you want to believe America's elections are honest. Right. And, and you want to believe all the work that, as I say, election workers and yeah. volunteers and campaign workers have done yeah. was not all for naught. And the picture yes. you're painting, to be clear, you're painting that yes. the entire election of 2020 was just fraudulently orchestrated and didn't go the way that the it, it was orchestrated by people determined to change the outcome. Yes, and, and most of the manipulation isn't the top of the ticket. Most of it is all the down ballot stuff, the, the judges, the school boards, the, the sheriffs, uh, all that down ballot stuff because you change the country, not from the top down, but from the bottom up. And so if you gradually replace all the, those lower offices, then you take which, which has happened, yeah. I mean, yes. and the secretaries of state, and, yes, uh, among yes. other things. Yes. Okay, I'm just checking the time. You know, we um, I love to push my luck on this show and go longer than I'm supposed to, but actually, somebody else gets to use the studio shortly, so I have about one minute to say okay. for people to follow you and understand yes. or uh, to recap what you said. Uh, voter registration data is grotesquely uh, yes. fill, inflated. overfilled, inflated. Yep. yep full of false registrations. Yeah. Uh, the numbers are too perfect yes. to correlate the registrations with actual vote turnout, yes. which means, and, and algorithms are absolutely unmistakable, yes. that the entire election data being reported electronically is manipulated, yes. is not real. Okay, it's so real. Uh, I, I asked it before, but who's doing this? Who are the they? Who are the they? Well, we have logs of the people logging in and doing the hacking. And so we have some addresses. We also have some whistleblowers. So we know who some of the they are. And I'm not at liberty to say who the they are. But how, okay. about, if I say, how about if I say, you know, technocrats? 
about okay, technocrats. Isn't there? I mean, there's obviously. I believe what Lindell's videos have been saying China is heavily yeah, involved. Yeah. In it, whether they're or yes. whether they are just facilitating it or they're ma masterminding the PCAPs, it. The PCAP show that routing I was talking about. Many of them are routed straight from China. So yes. Oh my gosh. Okay, folks. You know what? This is. Uh, we could do this. Uh, you can plainly tell. I'm in this camera thing. Okay. <laughs> we <laughs> we have too many cameras in this room. No, it's very nice to have them. Um, I want to be sure you understand. If it wasn't clear. I am not a data person, but I really am a truth person. It matters. I want my closing pitch at the end of the show today. Mike Lindell has offered $5 million to anyone who can prove that the data he is presenting are false. That is inaccurate, false, misleading. That is not what he is claiming it to be. This is huge. This is not something you do when you've concocted data and you're unsure of it. I want to mention, if you go on his website, which I, I have it at frankspeech.com, frankspeech.com, you can watch this, uh, what he's putting on. This cyber symposium is Tuesday through Thursday, August 10th through 12th. And I, as I say, it's not a public event everyone can buy tickets for, but it's for media people, politicians, um, and, and cyber people to look at his evidence. Again, not something you would do if you're unsure of your information. The gentleman we've been speaking with today, Dr. Douglas Frank, will be there uh, assisting uh, Mike Lindell in presenting this and making it make sense. I want to just leave you with a couple closing thoughts, and we really do have to rock and roll today. Uh, number one, I don't have a why it matters. This is my first show I can remember ever that I don't have a why it matters, but I do why it matters when I talk about the topics I talk about. I never try to capture what my guests might say because I don't know what they're going to say. So there was this was pretty much a show having us talk about what Douglas Frank was going to present about data and the brilliance that he brings to the assessments. We know why it matters. Uh, I urge you to go to our website, americacanwetalk.org, on the homepage under shows, drop down list of links. You can go and look at this Frank Speech event. You can go and look at a link to the Telegram account for Dr. Douglas Frank because it's so filled with data. And I want to just make this pitch about this. It'd be wonderful if election theft were as easy as a bank robbery and someone said, hey, the, look at this. A security camera was rolling. There he is. That's a bad guy. Unfortunately... This is not that kind of issue. There is not going to be a video that reveals it all. And actually those participating, orchestrating, uh, allowing this to occur are well aware that it is very difficult for the average Joe to even comprehend, let alone dig in and prove it. But people like Seth Keschel last week, Dr. Douglas Frank today, Russ Ramsland who's been on the show, Mike Lindell who's working so hard, Sidney Powell who's working so hard, they have no motivation to do this, except for seeking truth. Everyone should care what the truth is. If you think that Donald Trump was the worst president since time began, fine, I don't really care. You should care whether you are a rabid leftist, a hardcore right person, a mainstream uh, you know, person of either political party, you should care because what we're talking about at its core is a complete corruption of the election system. We're talking about the whole idea of America, this precious, unique country founded on the idea that we, the people, can actually govern ourselves. All of that is eviscerated if our elections aren't real, if they're stolen electronically, and if those capable and committing that act of, of, of manipulating the elections, stealing the elections, have done it in a way that we throw our hands up and say, well, I can't follow it. I don't really get the cyber part. I don't understand this. And we let it go. The, the, the left would like nothing more than to have us let it go. 
And we cannot do that because this is a, there ever was a time in America for people to stand up, it's right now. So listen to Lindell's uh, thing in August. I also urge you again to put in your calendar our show, America Can We Talk, we're sponsoring our second annual Women for Freedom Summit. It's on Saturday, September 18th. We're going to have actually Douglas, Dr. Douglas Frank speak there. We're going to have Seth Keschel, along with uh, a whole host of amazing patriots telling you truth about the border, truth about election fraud, truth about COVID, truth about government's control over American society through the use of COVID. It is a, it is a fabulous summit. It was last year, again this year, for people who love freedom. I'm Debbie Georgiatis, and this is America Can We Talk. Please tune in every Monday through Thursday at 3 p.m. Central Time to America Can We Talk, where I always talk truth about America because America matters. And I'll talk to you next time. Can you hear us now? America Can We Talk. Truth about America.